0: Hallelujah. I've titled this kind of like, No Judgment for Me, I'm Under Grace. You ever hear that? People say that? No Judgment for Me, I'm Under Grace. As somehow God changed who he was somehow around Matthew chapter 1 about he was this way and now all of a sudden he's just... Grace, grace, grace. And we have a misunderstanding of that so much. So I want to talk about that today. And and you know when I mention the word judgment, people have a negative connotation of judgment. Okay? And so when I mention judgment, what do people just what do you think when you when I mention the word judgment? Say not guilty? Okay. We are not guilty when we're in Yeshua. But so many people in judgment equals punishment. If I'm under judgment, God is mad at me. Boy, he's really mad at me. And he's He's angry at me and he's punishing me. And we want to talk about that today. Um, you know, this year is just all of us. I don't have any words to describe this year. Let's look back at 2020. And I remember on Yom Teruah 2019 as we entered into the new year and we were talking about 2020 and perfect vision, 2020 vision and look back through this past year and I don't think any of us expected what's taken place this year. And some of us have even like doubted like God, what is going on? But we need to look at this year, 2020, through a kingdom perspective. You see, I believe that there's been kind of a a fatigue that has fallen on many of us because of all the events that have taken place this year. You know, we talk about COVID, the elections, the shutdowns, the culture wars. I don't know if you understand, but there is a war going on between worldviews that has been heightened. And so it's become so um, out in our face, these culture wars and, and the financial crisis. And, and there's been no solutions or the solution that people came up with two weeks ago is, is, is invalid today. And people are, are fatigued because of that. And I want to talk to us today about, you know, how judgment, and, and yeah, judgment does fit into the things that have happened this year, but God is a God of love. He's a covenant-keeping, faithful father. And he allows these things to take place for good so that we would be drawn closer to him. And I want to talk about, you know, there's been a hyper-greasy grace that has been a major hindrance to the release of his glory in the body of Messiah. We've heard that term, greasy grace, hyper-greasy grace, where basically anything goes. We just want to, God is a God of love. He is a God of love. But because of his love, he allows things to come into our life so that he will draw us closer to himself because he's a holy God and he requires holiness of us. I'm not talking about perfection, but I'm talking about, he says, be holy for I am holy. Come out, come out from Babylon. Come out from the world system. Come to me. And in that process, God allows things to take place. This greasy grace is is where sin, well, maybe not being condoned is not dealt with biblically. Instead of emptying ourselves Because that was Yeshua's attitude. You know, we sing the kenosis out of Philippians 2 every week. His attitude was one of empty himself. He was the God. He was with the Father from the very beginning. In him, all things were created. In him, all things are held together. And yet he came to earth and he emptied himself of those things. Yes, he was Yeshua. He was our Messiah. But he emptied himself. He put on all the trappings from heaven that was his attitude emptying himself that was his attitude and through repentance and humility this needs to be our attitude but instead we've become more interested in self-realization self-realization instead of emptying ourselves i was i was i was heart the, the other day i was just shocked i was i was watching a news story and and Church, the Unitarian Church. I guess you can call it a church. Mother takes up her four-year-old son. Actually, her four-year-old son. She brings him up to the to the bema and and says, "I'm declaring today." Well, actually, she asked the, the four. Maybe some of you saw this on the news. She asked the four-year-old son to declare what that he was now a girl, identifying himself as a girl. And he didn't know what to do, he's four years old, he doesn't know how to make decisions. He just, and so his, his mother declared it for him. And I'm saying, this is what's going on, the craziness that's, that's going on in the Unitarian Church celebrating a four-year-old boy declaring that he's no longer a boy, but he's a girl. And this is allowed in what's called a church See, this is why I believe that there is a righteous judgment that God wants because his desire is to impart his glory into our midst, but that righteous judgment has to come to cleanse away all the filth and all the garbage from us so that we can receive his glory. Many people believe that all judgment has been suspended until the final judgment. And there's a scripture that goes along with that in 2 Corinthians 5.10, He says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Messiah so that each one may receive what is due for the things he did while in the body, whether good or bad. And there is a final judgment. But we have misunderstood what God is doing today. Somehow that the Old Testament is law and the New Testament is just grace. The Torah, the Tanakh is just law. It's rules. And the New Testament is where we really experience grace. And if we have that belief, and I know, you know, we don't have that at Or. we don't teach that at orch and we teach the validity of the entire word of God from Bereshit, from Genesis, all the way through Revelation, that God never changes. He doesn't change in how we, how he we relates to people. But if we have this attitude that, Old Testament, Tanakh is law, New Testament is grace. It's, it's intellectually and spiritually dishonest if we really believe that. And we're and we're cutting out the grace of God. We're, we're misunderstanding God's grace. And it's leading people astray so that they will come to the point where they will tolerate anything. They will tolerate sin because God is, if God is a God of love, then, then he will allow me to do anything I want. And yet, because of God is a God of love, just like he chastened Jacob that we heard about today, he wants us to get rid of those things that hinder our relationship and hinder his glory come into our lives. Yeshua didn't come to do away with Torah and the prophets. We know that. We share that all the time in this congregation. Matthew chapter 5, verse 17 it says, do not think that I came to abolish the Torah or the prophets. I did not come to abolish, but to fulfill. Amen. I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not the smallest letter or serif or yud shall ever pass away from the Torah until all things come to pass. God knew from the beginning of time that 2020 was going to take place, and he has purposes that he is fulfilling Believe him, trust him, stand with him, be encouraged in that. You see, when we look at that, and the reality is that there, the tension between law and grace applies to salvation and not to the validity of the entire word. In other words, what I mean is is the grace of Yeshua in the cross is that now, instead of going through the... the um, system of sacrifice, the sacrificial system, Yeshua became the perfect, precious sacrifice that we need. But there's still that we have to go through his sacrifice. That's the grace of God. Salvation is is coming into a right relationship with God. It's always been through grace, through faith. Abraham was he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness before he did anything he believed God so God hasn't changed Hebrews 13:8 says Yeshua the Messiah is the same yesterday today and forever He didn't somehow change in Matthew chapter 1 or in Acts chapter 2. God didn't say, you know what, it didn't work very well when I revealed myself this way. I'm going to choose to do it this way. God has always been the same, never changes, never changes. But the central point in history has always been the cross of Yeshua. And when I talk about the cross, I'm talking about the life, death, burial, resurrection, and ascension of Yeshua HaMashiach. That is the cross. Everything in Torah and the prophets pointed to the cross. In our lives today, we look back to the cross. It's a central focus point of history. God doesn't change. The Torah accomplishes its purposes of demonstrating God's holiness. The Torah, contrary to what many people believe, is perfect it's good it's always it's it's always points us towards fulfillment into yeshua the torah is good perfect and holy there's nothing wrong there's nothing evil in the torah and yet some people will believe that if we're living under torah or we're under the law that somehow that's something bad that's only for legalists and for the jews how wrong thinking is that You see, it's through the Torah that I come to an understanding of my own guilt. It's through the Torah that I have an understanding that it points me to Yeshua for my atonement. It's always been through a blood sacrifice. But what we tend to do today in our culture, in our society, and and sadly in our churches, is we think that God grades us on a curve, in other words, he looks at Kent and me, and he, and well, we look at each other and say, well, uh, you know, Kent, I see this in his life, and, and you know what, I'm doing pretty good, according to Kent. So, you know, remember in, in school when, you know, there was a, if a teacher said, we're going to grade on a curve in here, and it's kind of like, whew, that's good, that. I only have to be as good as that, I only have to be as good as that person over there, but God doesn't grade on a curve, His Torah is holy, it's perfect, it's good. And yes, it does lead me to death of myself. It leads me to death of my flesh. That's what its purpose is to do, to show me that I can't keep it in myself, but that Yeshua perfectly kept Torah. And in him, I fulfill Torah. In Yeshua, I fulfill Torah. Not because I did it, but because he perfectly fulfilled it. God doesn't grade on a curve. God doesn't judge us based on how everybody else is doing. Well, I can look at so-and-so over here. I can look at that group of people and say, you know what, I'm, my life is pretty good compared to them, but I'm not to compare my life to others. His sacrifice, Yeshua's sacrifice, his fulfillment of the Torah set us free from the curse of failure and made grace through faith the way back to him, that we're able to come back to him through grace. Yeshua never threw out the Tanakh. He never threw out the Torah and the prophets, but he realized that it was the expressed heart of the Father. The Torah is the expressed heart of the Father. In John 1.17, it says, The Torah was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Yeshua HaMashiach. Grace is throughout the scriptures. It simply came into fullness in Yeshua. God became flesh and dwelt among us. He sukkot. He sukkot among us. God became flesh and dwelt among us. Grace wasn't inaugurated with the cross but revealed and realized through Yeshua. And Paul affirms this. What was the scripture that Paul and Timothy and Peter, what was the scriptures that they used, James and John? What was the scriptures that they used? The Torah and the prophets. We all know that. Paul affirms this in 2 Timothy 3, verse 16. He says, all scripture... All scripture is inspired by God. If God inspired it, he doesn't say, you know what? It's no longer inspired. We changed the way things are. We're going to start doing this now. God doesn't do that. He says, all scripture is inspired by God and useful for teaching. And listen to this. For teaching, for reproof, for restoration, and for training in righteousness. Literally, The word of God, the Torah, the prophets, the Ketuvim, the letters, all the writings of the New Testament apostles are for literally to cover everything that we need for life and godliness. So that the person belonging to God may be capable, fully equipped for every good deed. And God used righteous judgment in the Torah... He said, this is the way to live. If you don't walk in this way, these things are going to come upon you. But it's not because of, I don't like you or I'm angry with you. It's because I want you to come and walk in my ways. See, the New Testament, some people think that judgment has been suspended until the final judgment. But we see, and I'm going to just kind of walk through very quickly, Three groups of people that experienced new judge uh, experienced judgment in the New Testament. First of all, unbelievers. John the Immerser, John the Baptizer. His first words that we hear him speak are, "You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath?" And in John three verse thirty six, he says. He who trusts in the Son has eternal life. He who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him. What is the wrath of God? What is the wrath of God? And that's another thing that we hear that term and we misunderstand what that means. The wrath of God is righteous judgment against sin. It's not punishment against the person. It's judgment against sin by God. See, human wrath, we're used to that. Human wrath is vengeful and anger. And this is where the confusion is. We confuse human wrath with the wrath of God. But righteous judgment from God is directed at the sin, the power of sin in us, because God wants to deal with that so that he can impart his glory into us. Romans one eighteen it says, "For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. In unrighteousness they suppress the truth." You see, we live in a culture that is so unrighteous right now. I can't even watch the news anymore, guys. You know, and I've talked about this. This year, it's just it's it's revealed the lies and the deceptions that people fall under, and it really I don't I. I'm tired of being angry and frustrated at that, so I'm going to turn it off. I don't want to watch that anymore. But God is using everything that's taking place today to wake up his bride so that his bride would come into that place of being cleansed and desiring God's cleansing so that we can walk in the fullness and receive the glory that he wants to impart. I really believe in the last days, the days that we're in now, God wants to pour out his spirit. I believe God wants to see revival in every place in Israel, in in the former Soviet Union, in China, in the United States of America, in South America. God wants that revival to take place. But at the same time that revival is taking place, there's also going to be people who are going to turn away. They're going to be turning away. And God is using these things that are taking place in our world today to bring us to him because we're not finding any solutions in the world. Anybody find any? Does Dr. Fauci have solutions for us people? The solution he had last week has changed this week. Does our government have any solutions for us? See, the same thing. Two months ago, they said this. Today, they're saying something different. All of this is being revealed, but God is still on the throne He's revealing himself through these judgments. We see through the New Testament that God used righteous judgment. Herod was an evil, ungodly leader. He threw many believers in prison and he ordered their deaths. And one day he put on his royal robes and he took a seat on his throne and and the people saw him and they were and this guy Herod he loved the flattery of the people. He loved when the people praised him and he would receive that into himself. Well this day these people were yelling the voice of God and not of a human. And he just took it all in. And as soon as that took place, an angel struck him down immediately because he did not give glory to God. He was eaten by worms and died. The word of God grew as a result of that. So don't tell me there's no judgment in the New Testament. The guy was eaten by worms. He was an unbeliever. We also see the story of Elimus. Elimus, He was... um, a magician. He was a false prophet. A non-believer. And he came in opposition to Saul. See, ta- Saul was testifying about Yeshua to the, to the governor of the, of the area, to the, of the governor of the, the proconsul of the region. And this man, Elimus, was seeking to turn him away from his faith. So Saul, filled with the Spirit, it says, says, you shall be blind and not see the sun for a while. So don't tell me there's no righteous judgment in the New Testament. Paul calls down blindness on on this guy. So we see that. That's in Acts chapter 13. Herod was in Acts chapter 12. We read about the prophetess Jezebel in Revelation 22. It says, Behold, I will throw her onto a sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they repent of her doings. It's not talking about the Jezebel from the days of Elijah. I'm talking about this is a a new prophetess that we're reading about in this church. The scriptures are clear. There is judgment on those who refuse the truth. Yes, God is a God of love. God wants to draw us to him and he will use whatever means he can. The second people group that judgment is used for is the pretenders. Those who pretend to have some kind of faith. Those claiming to be in Messiah but have no fruit in their lives. We see examples of this in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. It says there was an immoral, calls him a fellow, another Translation calls them a brother. He was in the church at Corinth. Sexual immorality. He was sleeping with his father's wife in their midst, and it was well known. Everybody knew about it. And Paul rebukes them. He says, don't be boastful about this. This is disgusting. You should be ashamed of yourselves. Then he goes on and says, a little chametz leavens the whole batch of dough. Get rid of this. And then it says that he was that they were to judge and hand it over to Satan to destroy the flesh, not to destroy his spirit, not for eternal damnation, but that his flesh would be destroyed. So please don't tell me there's no judgment in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 11. We use these scriptures when we the Lord's Supper. Yeshua's Shulchan, the table of Yeshua. The Lord's Supper is an opportunity to deal with unforgiveness. It's an opportunity to deal with the wounds and the attitudes and actions by applying the blood to our lives. That's why Paul says, you know, judge yourselves before you take of this Holy Communion. You know, if there's unforgiveness, deal with it. Because it says that believers became sick and some even died when they hadn't taken care of their sin. So please, we need to understand there is a righteous judgment in the New Testament. And finally, and, I, and this, is, this is what I want to talk about, if com, conclude with. This is that righteous judgment on the believers, us. Romans 5.9 says, How much more than having been set right by his blood shall we be saved from God's wrath through him? You see, we, if we're in Yeshua, we are spared from eternal judgment. Yes, we are spared from eternal judgment, but we are not spared from the redemptive cleansing that judgment brings. He wants to bring us into correction, And he will use these things, righteous judgment, to bring us into correction. Revelation 3, verse 19 says, Those whom I love, how many of us love to quote this all the time when we're going through a hard time? Those whom I love, I rebuke and I discipline. Therefore, be zealous and repent. He's speaking to those who love him. If we love him, allow that discipline to come into our lives. It's for blessing. Jacob understood that. He tried to do things in his own way, and then he had a wrestling match. He had a wrestling match. All of us have that wrestling match with God. He wants us to bring us to that place of repentance, bring us to be zealous for him. I want more of him. And so these things, we can look at these things that have happened in our country, in our, in our personal lives over the last months, and we become depressed or confused or, or angry, or we can pull away from, and we can pull away from God, or we can say, God, what are you showing me? What are you teaching me about you, about myself, and what you want me to do? Use all of these to allow God to bring us closer to him. You know what the Greek word for judgment is? Christi, K-R-I-S-I, Christi, Christi. Or it sounds like the word crisis. Crisis. That's the root of the word crisis. And it doesn't mean punishment. It means to cut or separate. So God will use righteous judgment to separate us from those things that are ungodly, those things that will cause us harm. Two purposes for that. Discipline, cleanse, separate, purify those who are his. You see, when we come into a place of worshiping God we're sacrificing we're emptying ourselves we're separating ourselves unto him and when we do that in our worship we're allowing him to look at those things in our lives that are not pleasing to him that are hindering his glory in our lives hindering our testimony he's saying get rid of these things So he uses judgment to discipline us, to cleanse us, to separate us. He says, be ye separate, be ye holy, for I am holy. You are in the world, but you are not of the world. I've called you out of Babylon. I've called you out of that harlot. You're mine. And secondly, he uses judgment to expose those who are not his. When I saw that in the Unitarian Church, the Church of Unity, whatever it is. (coughs) Embracing sin. Embracing what God specifically says, don't do this. See, that's being exposed. It's being exposed. So, if you want to take judgment out of the New Testament, you are embracing an anti-Messiah agenda. If you want to say there is no judgment in the New Testament, you are going against the very word of God. Now, this may seem like a heavy message that I've given today, but I think what God is saying to us is, welcome my cleansing, because I want to deposit. I want to impart more of myself, more of my presence, more of my glory into your midst. So welcome my cleansing. Revelation 18.4, and we've used this quite a bit this year. Yeshua says, come out of her, my people. Come out of her, my people. Don't participate in her sins. You see, if we say you're a holy God and we are his people, we're saying we are a holy people. But are we? Are we separated from this world don't participate in our sins. A key to responding to judgment is to worship him. It's not condemnation. It's not condemnation. And I don't want this to be a message of condemnation, but of a desire to worship him and emptying of ourselves. I'm going to invite Laura to come up here. Um, Laura, she called me yesterday and and shared something specific that God spoke to her. And I felt like, you know what? It goes along with what I was sharing this morning. So, Laura, why don't you come on up um, and just share what what the Lord showed you.
1: Well, this is a testimony I have that um, actually it's not one I'm proud of. (laughs) So... um, you know that we were going down to the Capitol to pray before the election. We were going every week, and so we went down on the Monday before the, you know, the actual election day, of Tuesday the third. And I mean, as soon as as soon as we got out of the car, you could feel the tension in the city. And just like this spiritual warfare. And um, Dave and I, we walked up to the area in front of the Capitol where we were meeting and praying. And some um, Hindus or or some other people believing other things were there. And they had left like this big chunk of meat you know and there was incense and stuff you could smell it and it was you know and then like when we were driving there were people on the corner yelling you know about vote for Biden and so on and so on and so it was it was really the air is very very tense and um anyway those the, the Hindus had had left, and I was reading from Psalm 51, David's prayer of repentance, I was just declaring it for the church, you know, that that repentance created me a clean heart, oh God, and they came back, the Hindus came back, and they started again praying and walking around, and and lighting the incense and stuff and you know my spirit just rose up I'm, i mean it's like this is a battle and i'm not gonna lose it <laughs> and i started praying you know just praying out loud and you know declaring jesus as king and the lord and every knee shall bow and 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 it was getting intenser and and stronger and harder and and at one point I looked at Dave. It's like it's kind of like I don't know what to do, but I wasn't going to quit. So I just kept praying and praying. And I mean, I know some things about Eastern religion, so I was just like rebuking like some of those beliefs and stuff, you know. And just and anyway, um, but they're just walking. I mean, like he like the guy is just like. I'm right, like, here, and he's, like, lighting the incense, you know, and um, anyway, it's like, you know, I was really feeling kind of helpless, and then Millie went up and talked to the woman, and she talked to her, you know, tried to find out what she was therefore, and Millie can talk to anybody. She has just been such a blessing to me down there. She just talks to anybody, and so all of a sudden the atmosphere changed, and the people left, you know, and um, Stu went around and put out the incense and stuff, and later in the car, I said, Lord, I don't understand what happened there. I don't understand that. And he, he said, did you see that she'd knelt down? And it was like, ouch. You know, she was actually had a more humble spirit than I did. And then he says, um, then he said, you were prideful and you were self-righteous. And that, again, was a little bit of an ouch. <laughs> and, um, you know, so I, I had to repent, obviously. And anyway, so I know that there's we've all been feeling the grief the, these last couple weeks. We've all been feeling the, the tension and the battle. And we probably all have people in our life who are total opposite spectrum from what we are. And you know, I have some people like that in my life. And so yesterday, you know, I was really feeling, just feeling like, I mean, just like what Stu shared about the, unitarian and it's like you know i mean you see kids they don't know their right hand from their left you see there's been 60 plus million abortions in this country since roe v wade i mean there's just been there's just so many things that are heartaches 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 and it's like you look at this opposite spectrum from us and it's not just this election oh goodness no it's been going on for years and years and years and years eroding all of the the things that we stand on all the things that we think are are righteous and godly and anyway so those just yesterday those people in my life who 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 are you know i can put their picture on the wall and say they're the the poster child of of all this belief you know I just want to throw darts at it you know and (laughs) but so the day before Thursday I had been reading in um the book of of Mark and he says and um and they had um, he had been sharing about putting the the you know light on the on the lampstand. And anyway, and then he says, Yeshua says, Take heed what you hear, with the same measure you use it, it will be measured to you. And to you who hear, more will be given. For whoever has to him more will be given. And whoever does not have, even that what he has will be taken away from him. And so I understood that part, and to you who hear, more will be given. You know, I understood that part, but I didn't get this part. Take heed what you hear with the same measure you use. It will be measured to you. So Friday, when I'm having this anger, the Lord brings back that that scripture, and I look at it, and it's like he says, if this is what you hear from my word, if you hear, if you hear judgment, if you hear unforgiveness, if you hear, um, you know, self righteousness, if you can make yourself self righteous, if you can, you know, justify your unforgiveness, that's the same measure that's going to be measured to you, and that's exactly what I was doing with these people, you know, I mean, I didn't have any I didn't have any care for them. I didn't I was judging them. I was thinking I was more righteous. I was thinking everything that, you know, but Jesus never did that. He never did that. He loved when he rebuked the pharisees. He loved them. He didn't, you know, and 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 Paul says, he says before before that whole thing about that we just pray and dance to every single week about how he emptied himself he became obedient everything of the father you know Paul says before he even quotes that he says let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus he tells us to be that same way and then so you know, as he's as the Lord is dealing with me uh, through this whole thing, he said to me, "He said the enemy has no obligation to listen to you if you are operating out of self righteousness, judgment, unforgiveness, lack of love, etc. Ow, ow, ow! He has no obligation to hear us. He knows." when we are actually walking in the spirit of love. He knows it. The enemy knows it. Then he has to listen. If we're walking in, in our own flesh, he does not have to listen to us. And... Um, um, Whatever I was going to say has left me. So I, I feel like that must have been all that I was needed to say. So thank you.
0: That is powerful. You can be abs- we were talking about this yesterday. We you can be absolutely right in your doctrine, in your belief system. And yet when your flesh, you're operating in the flesh. We can be judgmental and you nullify everything that Yeshua wants to do through us. And so we need to walk in the opposite spirit of the world. If somebody rejects you, what is your tendency? You want to reject them. Somebody speaks something that is unrighteous, You just your anger roils up in you and you just want to tell them what, you know from the scriptures and say this is and and see we need to be careful that that we are operating in the spirit of love and that's the difficult thing that many of us face we can be absolutely right in what we say and what we think and yet the spirit that it's communicated is is wrong we need to walk in the opposite spirit of the world there's so much vitriol hatred, anger, judgment in the world. But if we become just like that, what are we doing? We're eating out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And yet we're called to live out of the tree of life. Just stand with me. We're going to enter into a time of worship, a time of emptying ourselves. And I want us to just... This is a time where where I want us to really say, Lord... I open my heart to you. Show me areas of judgment in my life. Show me areas of rigidity in my life, intolerance. And I'm not talking about we need to be tolerant of sin. But how we address sin. Yeshua had a way. I just I just thought about this, this is, you know, the woman caught in adultery. They brought this woman caught in the act of adultery. And he knelt down and began to write in the the dirt. What he was writing, we all conjecture what it could have been. And they all began to walk away because their hearts were hearts of judgment. And Yeshua didn't let her off the hook. He said, "Where are your accusers?" They're gone. But what did he say? He said, And not just in what he said, the words he said, but I'm sure it was the look of the the countenance of God himself saying, go and sin no more. I bet you that woman had an encounter that changed her life. I'm not saying she didn't sin anymore after that, but there was something that radically changed You see, that's what we need to be, that's what we need to empty ourselves of all the stuff of the world, all the stuff that hinders the glory of God, so that we are actually imitating Yeshua and not the world by saying, God loves you. Go and sin no more. Go and sin no more. That's what we're called to do. We're in a new, new season. We've heard this all year long. God is awakening his bride to be his hands, his feet, his lips, his words in a dying world where there's enough judgment. There's enough going on. And God has called us to speak boldly. God loves you. Go and sin no more. God is speaking to us. I love you. You don't sin anymore. Don't have those attitudes anymore. Walk in forgiveness. That's what God is calling us to do. So as we worship him this morning, we close in worship. I want us to really just say, Lord, search my heart. Know my ways. Lord, if there be any wickedness, any sin in me, Lord, show me those things and so that we can turn from those things, repent, change our ways, come back to him boldly. And one thing we need to keep in mind, he does not hold our past against us. When we walk in forgiveness and we walk in repentance, he doesn't say, but I remember what you did yesterday. I remember what you said last week. He doesn't do that. Today is a day, a new day. Today is a day to walk in in the newness of life that he promises today. Not to live in the condemnation of yesterday or the things that haven't happened tomorrow, but to walk in the newness of today in his grace. Amen. So let's worship him. And also, this is our time, and we bring our tithes and offerings.